0: I didn't really necessarily mean this to be a 4th of July message. But in fact, it kind of is. Um, And we're going to take a look at that. Fortunately, we have been blessed here in America. We have been blessed and have been under a, uh, for the most part, a Christian, we have Christian foundation. A biblical foundation for the most part. However... That is starting to erode. That is starting to decay. And it's starting to, to decay quickly. And we're, gonna <clears throat> and we're starting to become, if you will, if I'll use this word, a pagan society. And that's what we're going to take a look at here today is how, as Christians, do we uh, respond? And what is our responsibility, if you will, in a pagan society? And for a little background, because you always have to understand the Word of God, and you have to understand, uh, understand it as the people was being told in that setting. So we, I'm going to give you a little bit of a historical background. As we know, this is, he's uh, Titus excuse me, was on the island of Crete. This is the letter from Paul to Titus. Instructing him, Titus was one of Paul's mentors, kind of like Timothy. He was one of his other mentors or uh, uh, mentees, disciples, and uh, so and so he's telling him how he should conduct and and to lead the church there in Crete. Crete was a very pagan uh, uh, island; it was very pagan, and so he he's telling them well how how to conduct. The chapters I'm the chapters before um, were about, and I think dad is going to at some point do cover those. Um, but that was how you conduct yourself in the church. Now he's flipping to say how you conduct yourself in the society, out in the with everybody else. And that's what he is gonna talk about. So <clears throat> as we start, it says, remind them. To submit to rulers and authorities to obey to be ready for every good work. We're not stop right there. So it says remind them to submit to rulers and authorities to we're not stop right there. <sighs> As we know, it's not always easy to follow the authority, right? It's not always easy to especially and an authority who is against God. That's not an easy thing to do, is it? But what he's saying here is he says, remind them to submit to the rulers and authorities. Saying it doesn't matter if they're, they're, they're pagan or Christian, you submit to them. However, comma, huge comma, he is not saying that you just blindly follow them. Meaning, if it's against the Bible, if they're telling you to go, to go against the Bible, you don't do it. You do what the Bible tells you, right? I'm going to make that very clear right now. We see that with uh, uh, was a Peter and, uh, well, I believe it was Peter and John, that they went in acts, they, uh, they got arrested for preaching. They told them to stop, and Peter and John said, sorry, we can't do that. It's not going to happen. And guess what? They went out and they continued to the preach it. So understand that. Let me be very clear that if it's if the government is telling you to do something that is against God, we are not to do it. Now, is there a right and proper way to do that? Yes. And we're going to take a look at that. So, and he, he goes on and he says, um, But remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey and to be ready for every good work. Now this is kind of an important uh thing for Christians. And I think this has really came to a twitch Now It's really apparent lately, um, especially after the uh, Roe v. Wade, right? The Roe v. Wade got overturned. There's still huge backlash from this pagan, if you will, society. And... What is happening now is people are now watching Christians even more, perhaps than they did, and they're making seeing that. Well, are they actually putting where, or are, are these Christians actually walking the walk and putting the money where their mouth is? And that's kind of what Paul is saying. If you don't talk the talk, you walk the walk. And I've had many people, um, you know, uh, as you probably all have heard question the motives of Christians. Now, I'm not saying that these their question was uh, right or they had any merit to them because I think that historically Christians have uh, risen up and have done good, if you will, and have followed the Word of God. But what he is saying here is you have to continue to live and to work no matter what other people are doing you do what is right and you do what is right according to the word of god you don't stop doing wrong just because everybody else is doing it because your actions people watch right i don't know how many of you is anybody else in the military all right well it's kind of like or or, how many of you were in on a sports team Keith, I know you were. <laughs> I, I was your teammate. So it, I I, uh, I see it like this. I was in the military. Why do you say that? I was in the military. And it's kind of like when I put on that military or that my uniform, it was different. As, as soon as I put on that uniform, I felt different. Why? Because I knew people were watching me. I knew. what, Either good or bad... Or indifferent, I knew people were watching me, and I've had indifferent or people who are a little hostile with that too. They see you and they're watching you, good or bad. That's the same or same with uh, putting on a a uh, uniform, right, for a sports team. They're they're watching you and how you respond and associate that with that school, and that's exactly what how it is for us as Christians because we. Put on the righteousness of Christ. And people are watching that to see if you are actually living what you are saying. And indeed we should. And that's where he's going with this. And then he goes, and he finishes it, and he goes here. To be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people again. This is slander. Um, the other versions say malign. It means to, blas- to be blasphemous. Now, <laughs> this goes on both political sides or whatever you want. But oftentimes you see people making fun of the said presidential candidate, right? And maligning them. That goes both sides of the party. E- each side is guilty of this. He's saying, don't do that. Right? He says, don't uh, malign that person. Or anybody. Even somebody who's a non-Christian. He said, and we'll get further to this. And we'll find out. But they're not the enemy. And we'll talk more about that. But anyway, he's saying, don't do that. You know, you see all these memes about the president. And it happened even when Trump was in there. Both sides, right? He says, don't do that. And he says, but... To slander no one, to avoid fighting. Now here is, you don't quarrel, right? It's easy, especially in today's society with Facebook. Not to lie, I've been a little bit guilty of it. You get on there and you're arguing with people and you're trying to win an argument and and you're you're pretty much doing it to win an argument. Not necessarily, not everybody. I've been there, I've been guilty. But you're not necessarily perhaps doing it to point Christ. I've been guilty of that. You're doing it to maybe just win an argument. He says, don't, don't fight, don't quarrel. And another thing I think you can put here is, how many of you have seen with everything, as Christians, we don't riot, necessarily. And I mean that as you see the other side, right, when they get mad, and, and stuff like that, and they're, they're burning stuff. is that Should that be our response? Sometimes we get, we want to, right, we get outraged and we say, don't do it. That's what they do. You don't do it. You don't riot. you don't get understand. There's other ways. okay? She said,'t don't, don't get a, riot. don't riot. I don't know if I'm sick. can you hear me? Don't do it. Where to live? It says, show always showing gentleness to all people. Now, I want to make this clear, and we're going to look at it again like I said, we're going to continue. He's not saying you shouldn't share the word of God. It's not what he's saying. Being gentle and being loving isn't meaning you just throw out the word of God and let people do whatever they want. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 talks about love, correct? In that, as you go down, it's a beautiful, beautiful um, chapter. He goes down and he names what love is. Love is patient. Love is so on and so forth. And then he gets to a part. He goes, But love does not rejoice over iniquity. You understand that? Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but in truth. Believe believe that's the, the verse behind it. So it's a false connotation To say that we are loving if you're just accepting. No. It is the most loving thing you can do is to tell someone that they are sinning against a holy God. Okay, I'm going to make that very clear. But this is what he is saying. But he's saying you don't do it in a malicious way. In a horrible and mean way. And this is why we're getting there. And he says, Um, and here's why. Verse 3. If everybody's with me, verse 3, for we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. He said, You were. He said, if it, and we'll get further why here. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But he said, you were. You were like them. All of us were like that before Christ. And we're going to look at that more. He's saying, he says, but when the kindness of God, and this is why we shouldn't act like that or hold and have malice and hate. says, but... When the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared. I'm going to stop right there. God showed us kindness. Right? That's what it just said. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared. The word here, love, is actually kind of the most It's different than any of the words that is used in the New Testament. It's where we get the word... Um, Anthropology. It's a uh, it's a word. It's means like for for compassion or even pity on someone to have pity um, and compassion. Jesus showed us compassion. We need to show other people compassion. Amen. It's kind of like if uh, you stay with me for a second. Um, we go to uh, Luke nine. Fifty one Luke nine fifty one. I want us to see this really quick. Nine fifty one through fifty four. Probably all pretty familiar with this. When Okay. When the days were coming to a close for him to be taken up, he determined to journey to Jerusalem. Meaning he, meaning Jesus. He sent messengers ahead of himself, and on the way they entered a village of Samaritans to make preparations for him. But they did not welcome him, because he determined to journey to Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them? But he turned and rebuked them and they went to another village. So we see here, that's oftentimes what we want to do, right? As I said earlier, is we have a tendency to want to call down fire on on people right and, and those who are against us and enemies and and blast them and Jesus rebuked them and said no no and here's the thing is what makes us think that we aren't deserving of that fire and stuff as well but you know why we didn't receive that it's because of the love of God he had pity and compassion on you and on me can I see what I'm trying to get here the correlation we have pity and love because Jesus Christ had pity on love how am I any different than what they were but without the grace of God now let's keep going Excuse me, let me get back to uh, where I was. (sighs) All right, we're uh... not, and here's the thing. But it says, but when the kindness of God our Savior and the love of mankind appeared, he saved us. Not by works of righteousness that we had done. And I'm pause right there. Again, it's not because of what we done. It's because of what Christ's righteousness He gave us his righteousness. We didn't do anything for it. And that also includes, you know, you can do a lot of good things. You can maybe even be pro-life, but not know Jesus. Being pro-life is a good thing, but it's not going to get you into having a relationship with Jesus which, and have eternal life with Him. And that's the thing, is even though, uh, oftentimes I think we look at these people over here, the quote-unquote pagans, and, and uh, they're doing all these bad things, which they are, don't get me wrong, they're against God. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, your works don't do anything. It's filth, as Paul put it. That's putting it nicely. It's all for nothing, and it's because of what Jesus did, not what we did. I know. I, I whew, it's brutal, isn't it? I, I get. It. I. I had to do. You guys get it one time. I had to deal with this all week, <laughs> right? It's not easy. It's it's kind of a tough message, but I think it's a very important one. <clears throat> Not by works or righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. Now, I'd like to write here because I think he does a lot better than I can to describe this. I'm going to go to MacArthur in his commentary on Titus, he says this. <clears throat> we are rather saved according to his mercy. Mercy is from, uh, from Elah, which refers to outward manifestation of pity and assumes need on the part of those who receive it and sufficient resources to meet the need on the part of those who show it. In some ways, mercy is similar to grace, which Paul mentions in verse 7. But whereas grace relates to guilt, mercy relates to affliction. Whereas grace relates to the state of the sinner before God, the judge, mercy relates to the condition of the sinner in his sin. Whereas grace judiciously forgives the offender for his wrongdoing, mercy compassionately helps him recover. Again, do we show mercy as God showed us mercy? So what? And so not by works, righteousness that we had done, but according to His mercy through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Regeneration means to be born again. That's what exactly what He told Jesus told Nicodemus in uh, John three to be born again. It means to be born from above. It's nothing I can do. It's nothing you can do. It's by the works of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins. So that we can be reconciled to him. That's what regeneration is. And he says by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, he gave us the Holy Spirit to help us to, and to help accomplish that goal. He poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So, having been justified by his grace, as we talked about, and that doesn't spend much because we talked about the trench between grace and mercy, we became heirs with the hope of eternal life. You know, I was asked uh, when, not that long ago, somebody asked me, it's like, uh, and I believe this person was a non believer, they asked me, they said, So, what do we get from Christ? What, what do we get? And I unfortunately, before I, I was trying to respond and it deleted, so I had to redo anything. But anyways, but as I said in I book, we get quite a bit, don't we? And as we can see from here, and it was a good question because I never sat down and thought, what do I get from, from Jesus? Because all all the time we, we get, you know, you often hear, well, we get eternal life, which is great. Amen? That's enough good in itself, but... He didn't stop there. Jesus didn't merely just say, okay, now you get out, you get to go to heaven. That would have been good enough, amen. But instead, listen to what we get. We, one, we already kind of talked about it. we got mercy, we got grace, and here's another thing. It says, So he poured out <clears throat> uh, so that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs. Understand that? We become heirs with Christ. That's amazing. Jesus now, or God now sees us because of Jesus' righteousness. He sees us as Jesus. And he says, it would be like a judge saying, not only am I well, racing everything that you have ever did. I am also going to, uh, not only am I erasing it, but guess what? You get to come and live with me. I'm adopting you and you get everything that I have and you get to become an heir with me. Wow. I'm going to be an heir with Christ. How amazing is that? Amen? It doesn't just stop there because God shows love and mercy and grace. What a beautiful picture. And Jesus this should be our example. And that's the whole point. Is in everything we do, no matter what it is, I don't care literally whatever it is, Christ should always be the four point of everything we do. I don't care what it is. Every breath we should take should be Christ. Spurgeon and I believe they say that Christ, Christ, and more Christ. And then he goes this thing is trustworthy meaning he said you know this this is good um, he's saying that it's nothing new um, you know this and that some people even thought that maybe this was a hymn or something but um, he said this thing is trustworthy I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works now, understand what he said there those who believe in God said, you you point this out, saying there might be some of you in there who maybe are pretenders, who aren't in there. But he said, for those who actually are, you need to understand this and listen and actually do this. And like I said, I explained earlier what good works was, right? Showing love to one another, to, to also those who hate us and despise us. You know, and... Um, like I said earlier, it's starting to, decro- de- uh, to uh, decline, I mean, the society. starting to become more and more pagan. I uh, was listening to a guy named uh, his name is Owen Strawn, and on his podcast, he quoted another guy, and I can't remember what that guy's name was, but he's saying, Today in, in, uh, in America, he's saying that America... As, we're, as Christians, we are living in a negative society. And what his point with that was, is that um, at one point, one, Christianity was possibly thought as a good thing. Another thing, too, is maybe it's more, eh, mutual, I don't care, whatever, you know, yeah. Now, as a Christian, it is seen as a negative thing. It has a negative connotation. And a lot of times, when you tell people that you are a Christian, automatically have that. Oh, okay. You want to know that? Not saying everywhere, but in a good chunk. And that is kind of where Paul is saying, how do we respond to that? What, what are, what example are we setting out there in the world? Are, are we? Is it us? Are we trying to please show them us? And what we can do? Or are we trying to point? To who Christ did, and why He did it. So, ladies and gentlemen, as we close, I want us to think about what about us? Are we everything that we do? Are we pointing to Christ? Are we living a life that exemplifies Christ? Now, are we standing for up for the Word of God? And are we pointing people to Christ? Because here's the thing: if we can, you can do like I said, and I'm going to say this one more time: you can do all this stuff, all good stuff. But if it isn't for in the name of Christ, right? But you said if even if you give someone a drink of water, you do it in my name, and people will know. People are watching. They want us to fail. But even if we are persecuted. Even if things go way south, which I I literally hope by the grace of God that doesn't happen. But if it does, we are to live according to his word. We are to live by the example of Christ. Christ died on the cross, did he not? His mission was to die on the cross so that we may have salvation. Paul in mean, Acts, it talks about um, Paul had, or some people had a vision. They told Paul, Paul, don't go to where you're going because they're going to beat you and they're going to kill you. And Paul said, good, I'm going anyway. He took the word to even Nero, who was probably one of the worst emperors there was in the nation. Why? Was, did he want to try to change Rome? In essence, Yes. But he wanted to change the hearts of those people in the nation. Not to change Rome. Necessarily politically. Could you imagine if he would have... Obviously, Neo didn't. But it didn't stop Paul from taking the gospel and spreading the gospel. So that hearts could be changed through Jesus Christ. That's what we should do. We live... And we are to be, we live in obedience to Christ and we are to be ministers of reconciliation as Paul says in uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and we are to be ambassadors which Paul says in in, uh, 2 Corinthians 5. And an ambassador follows the king and our king is King Jesus and it's his message that we proclaim. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just, uh, we just, we do, first of all, Lord, I do thank you for the grace that you have shown on our our beautiful nation. And what a blessing it truly has been to, to live here in America. But Lord, I pray that no matter what happens, I pray that we would live in a way that honors and glorifies you and not ourselves. I pray that we would represent you and that we would spread the gospel. And that people would be changed from the inside out. And I just thank you for your your abundance and your grace and your mercy that you have shown me. And I pray that I would be able to show and do the same thing for others. And to have that compassion. And to be that person to show your love and not just talk, but to walk the walk. And I just thank you in your holy name and in Jesus' name. Amen.